in a room full of men where men can speak from gut and intuition women's decisions are always second guessed i decided that you know i would have always have enough facts or i will have enough insights so that if the if questioned i would always be prepared in a way that you know my insights would always be backed by data this week's guest of questions i wanted to ask is Saloni Segal who's world's first female general partner of a games and interactive VC fund. Saloni co-founded Lumikai Fund which is India's first early stage interactive media and gaming VC. Saloni and I speak about the preparation that female founders require to build venture back companies, her own stories of finding her way through the world of startup and gaming which are heavily male dominated industries to now giving it back by encouraging more women founders through her fund Lumikai. Saloni welcome to questions i wanted to ask thank you so much uh, for coming and you know uh, agreeing to have a conversation with me you're one of the few women investment professionals that i'm actually talking to so i'm really excited about this conversation well thank you so much for having me it's my pleasure really to be here uh you know before i start uh, talking about what you have been doing and all of that i'd like to actually because a lot of people don't know many women from the world of finance and investing could you just take us through of what you have been doing all these years between the different jobs that you have been at uh, businesses that you have built and now investing and changing cities and stuff like that like you know uh, could you just take us through what has been happening in your life all these years sure sure so well um well hi everyone uh, i'm saloni segal i'm currently the co-founder and general partner of lumikai fund uh, we're india's first early stage interactive media and gaming venture capital fund and we're anchored by some of the world's largest games and media uh, conglomerates I have uh, 15 years of experience as a global games and new media investor. I've been a former games entrepreneur and an M&A banker. Prior to this, I used to be a uh, principal at a fund called London Venture Partners, which was a Europe-based uh, seed stage gaming venture capital fund. It had a track record of backing over 40 companies, which ended up delivering over 14 billion dollars in shareholder value. I was also uh, the co-founder and CEO of Truly Social, which was a venture-backed gaming company, which was building immersive uh, social worlds for female audiences, which leveraged celebrities, influencers, and brands. And uh, prior to that, I was an investment banker and came from private equity. I used to be the uh, vice president of Barclays Global CEO office. I used to be in uh, working at as an investment banker with Morgan Stanley at over ten billion dollars of M and A transaction experience, um, and yeah, I've uh, been um, I've lived in about you know I've lived across both three major continents. I've moved. Uh, I'd like to say I think I've over the last fifteen years. um i have either moved cities flats homes or countries every two years <laughs> wow and this is all work based because of work based. yeah so i and i've had i've the i've had the fortunate distinction of having lived across multiple cities in europe and now obviously i'm in india but i've lived in uh denmark i've had the fortune of living in spain and barcelona i did my education and mba in barcelona i've lived in london i worked in switzerland and private equity um and i'm from delhi and i currently now live in mumbai so yeah 
Wow. Yeah. You know, normally uh, women get really scared when they have to change cities, right? Especially women who, who are career uh, women, women who are working full time, especially in jobs, right? Uh, of course, now COVID has changed a lot with how we are working with this entire remote thing and all of that. But uh, and I actually, you know, happen to speak to a lot of women. Somebody has gotten married and wants to change cities and is worried that, oh, but I was working here in this and then, you know, how will I go to another city and change a job? And wh- what is your opinion? Because you've, you've obviously, you know, lived in so many cities. What is your opinion of these, this changing cities and changing countries and continents? And do you think it, it brings actually breaks or you think it brings more opportunities? And how do you look at it actually? Yeah, I think, look, uh, it's, it's very circumstantial. I, I think at each point of time in my career, a change um, in city or location or geography of career always propelled uh, me forward. So it was always a change for the better. But I can understand the hesitation and apprehension, especially for women who have families, who have dependents, who have children or who who have, you know, larger family setups or spouses who may or may not be supportive or who just just don't have that flexibility or even sometimes that freedom. So I can understand that it's it's not such an easy decision for them, right? I, uh, I left home when I was, you know, 18 and, you know, I, I had the opportunity to start, go to business school when I was very young. I was 23. I was, I was the youngest when I in my business school MBA class, uh, and and those so those circumstances were very different. My risk taking appetite was very different. Uh, I I I was able to embark and 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 I guess take opportunities and 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 my risk taking not just risk taking but novelty seeking was also a little bit more different. And um, my family back background allowed me. I came you know I, I was in my family was very supportive in being able to explore new avenues. There was never any pressure in terms of, you know, the kind of pressure that women face about getting married or having to settle down. There was never any opportunity. My parents were very clear about, you know, go out, build your career, uh, pursue, you know, you want to build a venture of your own, Uh, go out and build a career of your own. You want to build a gaming company, go out and do it. You know, so all of those avenues were very open to me, but I, you know, especially coming from India and it's a patriarchal society. I know those are not avenues open to everybody and that's not an option available to everybody. So those are very difficult questions. And my only, I guess, advice that I tell young women is to be bold and to make those choices and to make those take those calculated risks within the boundaries of what is possible because sometimes, you know, it's not possible given the circumstances and the situations and the, and the familial setups. Right. And I think one needs to be cognizant of that as well. And there have been multiple examples of women just breaking out of those setups uh, and, you know, kudos to that. But I think one needs to find that fine balance, um, uh, but in my case, uh, I've been very fortunate that each jump has always propelled me forward. Tell me, uh, Saloni, you know, you spoke about risk taking and especially with women. I I honestly feel that uh, women 
are still not very pro taking risks right especially in their careers because i mean career as such as a concept is something which is in the last 20 30 years that has come to started coming to our generation right uh, and when you take those risks i think a lot of us take those risks uh, because you have the back, background or the backing right what is that backing is it just you or is it family or is it something else that's a great question so you so you know i'll give you an example of my life when where i grew up so i used to i used to play games as a kid uh, but when i grew up there was nobody like me playing games i never saw anybody like me in a game world um, and then fast forward many years when i was starting to build a gaming company i never saw anybody like me building a gaming company so when i would walk into a room raising funding there were many times when you know investors would open the door and they were like oh we didn't expect to see a woman entrepreneur or when i was you know even when i became an investor uh, and was in a vc i never saw women like me on this side of the table and very quickly i began to realize that you know if i really wanted to see a game with a brown female protagonist in a game world the chances are i probably have to build it myself and then later on i realize i probably have to finance it myself as well right and that's that's you know that's the irony of it but i think what the awareness that it did imbibe in me is that the world around us tells us what you should do and what you can do and i think in my case what it did imbibe in me was a certain contrarian way of thinking because even when i was in investment banking or in private equity I, there were a lot of shoulds and coulds that i was imbibed you know i used to be told that oh you should wear high heels to work because i'm you know uh, i'm you know i'm not i'm not very tall i'm just about 5253 but i was told that oh you sh- you should wear high heels to work people will take you seriously or really? yeah uh, wow. this was in europe or i was you know uh, told by a female managing director at work that uh, and i asked and you know there there was this meeting uh, where they were encouraging female leadership and i asked uh, one of the sole female managing directors at work is that how do you maintain a work life balance and she said well uh, honey you need to get yourself a stay at home husband and i i laughed and i told her i said well where do you get one of those and she said no i'm serious and uh, and that that's not to be said my my husband's a, is a is a is a is a is an entrepreneur and he's a fantastic uh, he runs a fantastic business and uh, you know that's that's really uh, really rubbish advice to give somebody but i i'm just trying to tell you is that you know you you as a woman you are given these narratives of what you should do and what you can do and all my life you you have been told and as women we are told what we can do and, and we start believing in that believing that yeah and i think in that way what it has allowed me to do is to develop a contrarian way of thinking because once you drop the expectations of what society expects of you it it kind of unshackles you to actually be what you really can be and yeah. what you what you align with then you allow yourself to be what you really you know that what your true potential is and i think that's that's what you should be like you know when nobody i never thought when i was graduating from from university that i would be 
setting up a venture capital fund focused on gaming and interactive media about you know 15 16 years hence and well here i am so interesting you know so that's that's that that's been my journey that's fantastic and and you know somewhere all these experiences has that been your motivation to actually when you set up lumikai fund uh has that been your motivation that you also push a lot of women because i know that you are purposely taking on that uh you're championing the the you know the purpose of bringing more women to forefront whether it's the women entrepreneurs or women in gaming and you know the 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 support staff or whatever you want to call it right uh, more women is that your motivation or you know what what is that what is that higher purpose that you're actually moving to 100% i think that's definitely a very intrinsic driver of promoting more diversity and more inclusivity um a genesis of that start you know a, i guess a kernel of that started with my own venture uh, which was uh, around building games and and gaming experiences and immersive gaming experiences for female audiences it you know the genesis of of my company started with that because you know 60% of the world's mobile gamers are women but less than 20% of gaming experiences are built for women and then when you start looking at the composition of game makers you realize that 99% of them are men so when you're game makers and game developers don't look like the audiences who are consuming their products and how is you know experiences will never be built for them and we see this all around us you know in terms of the tech and the products uh the audiences that consume products look nothing like the developers and the programmers who are building products for them right yeah. and and this is the same when we look at let's say the world of finance and investments as well you know you you look around and you see these vc funds which are full of men and who are backing companies who are also uh you know not not who are also backing products and companies which are non diverse and so a very key part of this thesis of lomikai was to build and finance diverse uh teams and diverse products and to back diverse founders and 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 also to promote diverse talent in the ecosystem and a very key part of that initiative with lomikai was you know an initiative that we launched with lomikai pathbreakers was to encourage more diverse talent and to encourage more diverse uh at least women from all walks of life in the gaming and interactive media landscape to come up and own their space and to take on uh that mantle and that pedestal and to be recognized for their contribution to the to the landscape and you know we've done now two editions of it and it's also to motivate them to think about entrepreneurship you know we've now seen 800 um start we spoken to now 800 founders uh in the gaming ecosystem a very small sliver of them have been female founders and that's been deeply disappointing for me so you know personally that's that's been a personal motivation is i want to encourage more women to take on more entrepreneurship particularly in this in this space because when you have game makers who look like the audiences uh you will see more immersive in quality experiences and we're already seeing this in ott right we're already seeing this in uh cinema we're already seeing this in a uh, short form uh television where you've got a lot more representation you've got a lot more female protagonists you've got a lot more women centric 
storylines and i hope yeah. to see that in in, in it took a woman to change the the entire landscape of indian television exactly exactly right and so i'm yeah. hoping that 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 can be catalyzed by the initiatives that we're doing i mean we we're, we're not uh, we're hoping that you know these are very very small steps and hopefully they're in the right direction and uh, you know we hope to be backing female founders uh, we strongly encourage our teams to hire more diverse talents to build more diverse teams because we encourage we know how important diversity is our own internal investment team is diverse and uh, that diversity of view and perspective is very important for us even when we make investment decisions and uh, it's a very key driver of who we are as a fund fantastic so let me tell me you know you you're talking about more representation but you know i i i had a conversation with a male vc once and he he had tweeted saying oh we are doing so and so to bring more diversity and equality and stuff like that and i only had one question i said the kind of training men receive to become entrepreneurs right is very different from the kind of training or upbringing women receive what are you as a fund doing i mean do you think that there are there are changes that needs to be done uh, to be able to bring more women because if if there are 100 applications called for say for uh, for you guys to invest in entrepreneurs you'll only get four or five women applications right which means that there are less and less women who are either confident to be able to go and ask for funding or seek funding uh, and also actually know about this world and it's pretty much been my experience too right uh, when i started working on gaming i i mean it's pretty much a male dominated uh, industry uh, and of course you know with experience you kind of travel the way but what do you think are steps required from a training and development perspective uh, for upcoming entrepreneurs for existing female entrepreneurs etc uh, to be able to actually even reach that stage yeah those are you know there's a really good question I, the there are fundamental problems uh, that aren't necessarily solved just by training yeah so, you know it's not it's not just about training it's not just about mentor mentorship the first and the first and you know i've, I've written a blog a, a very long time back i wrote a blog post about about this that there's there's a lot of data that's put up about how there isn't enough funding which is going towards female founders or you know less than 2% of investment dollars goes towards female founders etc cetera, etc cetera. but the first and foremost is about how um how, what is the chain essentially that kicks off female entrepreneurship right so yes. first when when female founders set up building businesses now typically when male founders set up businesses they usually have a very ready network to set up businesses exactly. with exactly they have you know they'll pull in friends from their places that they've worked with and they've got very ready networks and you know it's my buddy from this place and that place and you know they put exactly. together women as they grow older through their work careers they tend to have weaker networks because uh they have caregiving responsibilities so yes. as a woman moves into let's say her mid 30s she's probably had children she has caregiving responsibilities she's no longer doing networking but she's got more child rearing family rearing responsibilities family. yeah as a result of which she's not spending time on thinking about her career 
yeah. which the professional network's weaker. So once her childbearing responsibilities are over, when she comes back into the workforce thinking about now I want to take on my entrepreneurial journey, she actually has weaker networks to start thinking about her entrepreneurial journey. So often yes. it means setting off as a solo founder. Solo founders, typically even men, not just women, but even men find it very difficult to raise venture capital. Capital, yes. And solo founders, even when they raise the first round of capital, they find it very difficult to raise a subsequent round of capital after that. Often they are like, you know, they're like almost 70% less likely to raise the next round of capital. So that's the first major constraint is that their networking opportunities are very, very limited, right? Yes. This is because just because of the patriarchal setup of the fact that they have very little networking opportunities available to them. So how also, you- I guess the comfort, right? Comfort of reaching out. Women, I mean, uh, and I'm saying this out of personal experience, out of hosting this podcast, uh, that it's it's very easy to reach out to a woman as compared to e- to reaching out to a man. Of course, I'm in the space of sales and business development, so it comes naturally to me. But I sometimes wonder that what happens to so many women who who don't find it comfortable and men equally find it uncomfortable when women reach out to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the uh, the second question is the imposter syndrome. Yes. Uh, women face, right? And that is obviously inculcated very deeply, much more in women than, than it is in, in men. men. Most women are very hesitant asking for assistance, asking for help, asking for guidance, or just that feeling of I belong in this space. I deserve to be here. I am truly going to, um, you know, I, I, I am, I, I, I deserve for this opportunity. Um, and so, and it is, it, it, that is the statistic where Harvard Business School actually did this fact that men apply for a job when they are 60%, uh, uh, you know, when they're near, almost 60% qualified for the job, women apply for the job when they are 90% uh, qualified for the qualified. job. Is this, even with, when we did Lomikai Pathbreakers, right? When we wrote to these amazing, incredible women uh, that, you know, we've, you've, you've been nominated for Domikai Pathbreakers. We'd love to feature you. We'd love to have a little bit about yourself, your bio, your stories. There was incredible amount of hesitation and just resistance in sharing their stories. And it was like, are you sure you really want us? But, you know, we haven't done that much. You know, there was all of that. And, you know, there were multiple backs and forth, back and forth. There were lots of reminders to be sent because they were so hesitant in sharing their stories and so hesitant about being featured on a public public uh, forum. So there is a lot of that as well. And it's not just about women supporting each other, but it's also about men championing other women, right? And that's that's incredibly important. And this is why for us, Domika Pathbreakers was just a step in the right direction because, you know, it is said, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And that is incredibly important. So when I see you know, VC is doing these panels and podcasts and they don't have female representation and they don't have female voices and they don't have female founders speaking. Uh, it sends the message that there isn't enough representation 
foundation or there isn't enough role models out there for other women to look up to and that i think that's that's a barrier that needs to be broken because if women if a woman can see at least two other women on the panel they like they can see a sense of belongingness and they can feel like well if she can be there then i can be there as well yeah and i i, I think i've also seen this that uh, the more women and i'm i'm I mean, of course, I've I've been very fortunate that I've had men who've supported or championed what I've been doing. But you know, I've I've realized that every time I have brought forth a woman, right? It's been such an incredible story uh, because you know that women would have never realized that okay, I belong here or you know this is what I deserve. And these are women I'm talking about who are at leadership positions at some some of the biggest media firms I'm talking about, uh, and it's incredible how. just women supporting women can bring so much of change absolutely yeah but but uh, saloni i just want to go back to the gaming i see I, i'm not talking much about the what the fund is doing because of course you talk about it through you know uh, in other media but i think uh, it's a lot to do with your own personal journey right uh, you've been in this in the startup world you you launched your own business couple of years back uh you've been in gaming uh, in fact in even in investments these are pretty dominant male dominant dominated industries right uh while at at certain initial level you can continue doing but you know there is what we call of glass ceiling yes a lot of people say it doesn't exist but i, I mean we truly know it exists right how do you start what are the smaller measures i mean i know you can have you can talk about 100 things that women can do or men can do but at personal level what are the things you you personally feel are important for women to when they reach that mid career you know stage that they need to do to be able to reach that leadership level yeah that they don't get engrossed in politics that they don't get get weakened up by having lack of networking or whatever i don't know what are those five seven key pointers to be able to keep in mind when you're especially in a male dominated industries or uh, in a in an organization where the leadership is all taken over by men yeah yeah so you know i think that's an incredibly um that, that's that's just such an incredibly important question it's something i really struggled through because all my life i went you know i had very non traditional career paths and i didn't have any like female role models or any female uh mentors so to speak so you know i was kind of navigating blind so uh and because i didn't see anybody who looked like me i didn't know what that career path could or should look like so it kind of just it it kind of was just on my shoulders of what i wanted to it was in one way it was a blank canvas of what i wanted or what i thought it could be but on another hand it was also terribly terrifying because at many times you know you're walking through a dark room and you know there is sometimes you don't know where to switch the light on because you don't know where this ends up right uh, so the only way that i think i could uh leverage i guess the only and i guess i guess that's a particular personality type that i have is that i went inwards and i said well how do i then become the best version of myself so the only way to do it so i'm i'm incredibly logical you know i i like preparation so how do i i and i like to be prepared so the only way that uh 
I realized to stand out in a crowd was to be prepared. So while I realized that in a room full of men where men can speak from gut and intuition, women's decisions are always second guessed. I decided that, you know, I would have always have enough facts or I will have enough insights so that if the, if questioned, I would always be prepared in a way that, you know, my insights would always be backed by data. And it's exhausting to be able to do that because, you know, I would often be in rooms where, you know, there would be men who would say, well, we just don't think like this will be. And when you would ask them, their response would often be, well, we just don't feel like it. Whereas as a woman giving a decision, you're always second guessed about it. And I learned that the way to counter that would be to arm myself with fact and information. So that was the one thing that I learned how to do. Um, The second thing that I learned how to do was to drop qualifiers like, sorry, just, you know, these words that women use, I learned how to drop that. Or I learned how to drop filler words like, hmm, hmm, you know, that a lot of women use. It makes you sound underconfident in meetings. And it also makes you sound unsure of yourself. I learned how to drop that. It just, uh, it, it makes, it makes communicate, it makes you, uh, again, it's, it's about how you learn to communicate, especially if you're in a male dominated environment, you sort of start to learn how to communicate to put your point across. So I learned how to, how to do that. So these are very small things that I yeah. to, uh, get across again, to get my point across in a male dominated environment. Um, and of course you have to fine tune it when you're in, in different environments. Right. Uh, another, uh, thing that I learned was to, you need to keep a fine balance between active listening and taking a stand versus being too pushy because I've, I've also seen, you know, women become very forth, very, very direct. And, you know, they go to the extreme point, extreme point of view, whether, you know, where they're coming across rather forceful, but you don't want to lose your inherent femininity to some, some extent. So you want to be able yeah. to point across, but you don't want to, you know, be too forceful. So you want to keep that fine balance as well. And so there is a, there is a guess, a person, you know, fine balance to be maintained where there's active listening, but you also don't want to be interrupted enough. So there's a very calm way of, you know, saying, well, I'm, I haven't done speaking yet. You know, and, you know, if you allow me to complete my sentence and because women get interrupted a lot, in a lot. Yeah. you have to learn how to manage that as well. So I think these are small tricks and I guess tricks of the trade that I picked up over the years while conducting myself in meetings or in professional setups, which allowed me, I guess, uh, to conduct myself in, in meetings. But I think I'd say I was always over-prepared uh, in, in professional settings, which... Be, which be, 
yeah i mean basically i mean somebody else also uh, we had mrs deena mehta who was the first uh, uh, women's uh, chairperson of the stock exchange on the podcast and she said that women will always have to work hard extra and she became the chairperson i think 20 years back so it was much harder for her in stock market uh, but i guess it's the same answer that you will always i mean at least to what seems obvious right now is we always have to work a little extra harder to be where to be able to reach or to be able to maintain what where you are uh so it's this fantastic quote that i heard you know to be a woman you have to act like a lady you need to think like a man you need to look like a young girl and you need to work like, like a horse that's the sad truth <laughs> but you know uh, uh, saloni the larger question still stays for me what bothers what bothers till today to me is that you work certain number of years work hard prove your prove prove your talent etc but the moment you reach that that top position right how do you battle out chemistries between men versus a woman in that boardroom right uh there'll be always in a in a say in a boardroom of 10 people in a board meeting or whatever you want to call it, the leadership roles of those 10 people there'll be eight out of them will be men who are always like brother bhai you know that that thing brother brother my friend or oh, we hang out that and the the two women are there will be like okay where do i get this brother how do you tackle that and how do you make an impact i mean what comes to your mind a lot of times i'm like okay i don't know how to handle that because you're the odd one out and there's nothing you can do to be able to beat the pe- personal chemistry between two men right how do you how do you create those chemistries yeah i think uh, that is you know that's that's definitely um that's definitely a challenge i guess one is to have a you know one is i think to command a certain amount of gravitas and personal respect is you know where you have a certain amount of you know either subject matter expertise or certain amount of you know um you know i guess it goes back to what uh, mrs dina mehta said is that you have a certain amount of gravitas where you know people respect you for what you bring to the table yeah, yeah. um and hence you have a certain reason for why you belong in that room but but yes you're right in a certain aspect it is you can't have that chemistry and that's okay you yeah. know i think you accept the fact that you won't have that certain chemistry to accept that you won't have that and stop running after it actually you won't have that banter you're not going to be you know back on backslapping terms with the bros and uh, you know but now as we see a lot more women in venture or in the investment rooms and you're seeing a lot more women in um in in at least as female founders and you're seeing a lot more women run podcasts or businesses like yourself i think things will change right you're seeing a yeah. lot more change happen it's as smaller changes smaller changes but it will happen so that you know these are small things but yeah but i think it's somewhere to accept the fact that yes maybe that is not uh, you know you stop chasing it after a point of time yes but you just fully accept that you know that banter that you know that uh, chemistry that you know 
cigar backstabbing whiskey drinking culture is perhaps not the one that you may want to embrace and you know not yeah. something that that's you anyways so yeah i mean i i kind of took it the hard way i understood it the hard way but i guess most of us learn it the hard route uh, when you go through it yourself and you're you're not able to crack that chemistry whereas you're fantastic at what you do or you know stuff like that uh, and you know those were the moments i actually always felt that one day if i could i will get other women to talk about it i will share maybe my own stories and of course we all have those stories to this thing uh you know coming back to uh, the woman entrepreneur part saloni i always feel that uh, obviously the way women entrepreneurs women founders market themselves is way 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 uh, uh i mean there's a lot of room for improvement right uh, as as an investment uh, as somebody who's sitting on the investment table and writing checks for founders right uh, what is your advice especially for female founders uh, to be able to market because of course especially in this world what you see what you visible is considered to be sometimes or a lot of times successful right what is your advice for female founders to be able to market what are the things that are a must do and what are the things that you know it's okay if you're not comfortable yeah i think uh the couple of uh i guess my first advice for founders uh, and particularly female founders is build a team you know most female founders embark on their entrepreneurial journeys often solo and you know solo found, there's nothing wrong with being a solo founder if you are a second time founder you've built a successful business before and you know you know exactly what you're doing but if you're a first time founder um a not only is it difficult for you to raise capital but also it is just an incredibly hard endeavor for you as an individual to do everything because you know no one individual has all the qualities you know you may be strong in business or you may be strong in technical but you'll be uh you'll find growth or marketing or uh just uh building some product. or the other yeah some or the other will be will be missing in you so it's very important for you to have a founder who complements your skill set so build find yourself a co-founder the likelihood of you being able to raise capital if you want to raise capital will be that much easier so once you have a co-founder in place i think the next determination is to determine do you want to build a business that is once that will sustain your lifestyle or do you want to build a business that you you wish to raise venture capital for because both are diametrically opposite uh, to each other so if you want to build a business that is going to sustain a lifestyle that is perfectly fine and sometimes i feel that there are founders who actually want to do that but because there is so much noise around raising capital and you know this company raising 10 million dollars and this company raising 50 million dollars and this exit and that exit founders get confused and they actually take these businesses which are not inherently venture capital businesses to vcs they get rejected and they get very dejected and demotivated but that that was never a vc business in the first place so i think it's the next step is to identify what is it what kind of business are you trying to build because if you are a vc backed business it's a whole different trajectory it's a whole different treadmill it's a whole different uh career path in itself because then you're playing this whole valuation game then you're building for scale and then you're building then you go down this rabbit hole of how big is the market what is the use case 
what is the product that you're building how you know what are the metrics of your product if you're pre mvp what is the problem that you're solving and then you know you have those questions that you have to ask now once you have identified the i want to be a i have i found myself a co-founder i want to build a venture back business then the next question is are we going to go to the market with a small product or are we going to be pre mvp and we then we have to have a presentation around it now if you're going to have a pre uh, presentation or a pre mvp product then find a business or especially if you're a first time founder align your business or your chosen business as closely to the background or experience that you have like what is your founder market fit like how are you as a founder uniquely positioned to solve the problem that you have identified you know if you are a founder from the creative businesses but then you are looking and saying i want to build electric batteries but you have no technical knowledge of it and you don't have any experience or you have no ability to build a team you're very unlikely to raise money for it right but if you are a creative founder with strong technical experience ability to find talent and you say built you know work for zynga you understand game design and you're building a game gaming business for let's say female audiences before that's great founder market fit the likelihood of you being able to go to a business and a vc and being able to build a team around it is very high right so vcs at this point of time when you're pre mvp want to see founder market fit right so identify a business where you have founder market fit then the next step is to identify a vision so and this is whether you're a male or a female vc because these are all uh, founder these are yeah. all whether you're a woman or a or a man gender agnostic yeah gender agnostic the vision is where i think women tend to undersell themselves a woman sure. can do all of these right and that, but then when it comes to the vision the woman will kind of not sell the vision in in terms of the you know there's the understate understating and the underselling of the vision that goes back to imposter syndrome so then you have to identify the imposter syndrome in saying well you know why do i feel that i am not capable enough and this is why you need to go through these motions of finding yourself a good founder really understanding the business that you're building if you have found the market fit and when you've kind of crossed all these uh, all these kind of benchmarks then you'll be able to you know really be able to come up with a coherent vision and be able to present that vision really well and that's when you come to the pre mvp presentation stage and then you know if you have a young if you have a small prototype if a early prototype that's fantastic you know that always works we as a fund uh, we play every product every game every every app that comes our way a lot maybe other vcs do don't i can't say but as a fund we always try out a product and a prototype before we invest so we are very hands on so if this is an approach that you know as other founders are taking we're very happy to talk to founders this way but for most women i would say really uh, look at, think about that vision that you want to sell and a part of that vision uh, also means looking at the competitive landscape means looking at what is out there in the world what is the competitive landscape looks like what do the what are peers building what are we building that is going to set us apart 
what is our special sauce and hence why does our vision make sense and then you kind of go back to that and you know that's that's kind of my advice to founders interesting that was like i was like okay i'm going to slowly 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 absorb that <laughs> I, was, i was hoping that uh, you know you kind of lay out the process because it's from the outside especially for people like us who are from the creative businesses and you know more service based businesses this process itself sounds so 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 technical that a lot of especially you know women tend to get uh, you know take a step back and say okay this is not for me so thank you for uh, kind of you know detailing this out you know we've spoken so much about these women entrepreneurs and things they need to do but i want to just go back to uh, and this is like the last part of the conversation saloni i want to go back to your life this is you are meeting so many people uh, you know over the over the i think you ever since you've set up the fund you would have met some thousand entrepreneurs founders etc there's so much time involved there's so much of number crunching data crunching involved all of that uh how does in all of this especially in a business like finance and investing which is so so time consuming where does your personal life come how do you what are your own personal mantras of you know bringing that sanity i won't say balance because i think balance is a very you know overrated word right but bringing sanity in your own life what are the things that you follow to ensure you know things are taken care of at home in your personal relationships etc what how do you manage your life at that front yeah it's a it's a constant uh, it's a constant i guess struggle and it's a constant challenge i guess <laughs> I, i don't think there's a there's a magic wand i wish there was um i think you know since since my time as an entrepreneur uh what i've personally struggled with is you know that disconnect is that how do you learn to turn your mind you know how do, how, how do you switch your mind off yes and uh, you know especially after you've had your you know day of work and especially when you're running your own thing uh, you know your own business or your own fund or you know what whatever it is whatever it may be how but you are the boss <laughs> yeah, how do you kind of switch your mind off and i find that that was always a struggle for me so i as an entrepreneur i what i started embracing was i started to cook I think cooking was an activity that I started to embrace that you know when you're in the kitchen because cooking is an activity which requires you to be very present you can't be thinking of something else and chopping because you're likely to chop your finger off so you know that that activity of just embracing and being cooking and then it eventually leads you to a certain outcome whether it's good or bad you know it doesn't matter but that was an activity which would automatically cut me out of you know the day and it would allow me to just be in the moment and allow me to uh, you know just be uh, allow me to a- embrace the activity that i was doing at hand and that's one of the mechanisms i have to be able to keep some some form of balance um i have a daily meditation practice which i which i do keep and uh, try and keep uh, on a daily basis i have a yoga practice that i do twice a week i work out three day, three times a week as far as possible i try not to work the weekends and as a fund we've tried to maintain that balance for our team as well um it's not always been possible we we've, we've just been closing the fund etc but we try and maintain that balance for us as a team and uh, and at least we kind of keep those boundaries uh, but it's it is hard uh and especially you know when 
when you have founders and our founders work very hard, you know, and you're, you want to be there for, for founders as well. And, you know, it's just, uh, it, it is a challenge, but I think the one thing the pandemic did show us is that, you know, the world needs to slow down and yeah. we, we see what happens when the world does slow down. You know, we see the world breathes a lot easier though, you know, the environment cleaned up, uh, it be, things became quieter. Pe- people got clarity, and uh, and now we're back to this frenetic pace again. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, those eighteen months made us realize what the world could look like if things were a lot quieter. I think we all started looking inwards. Is I that's how I would you know kind of look at it because look at the amount of. Uh, conversations we are having around self growth and personal growth and which is amazing which which was never there i mean it surprises me why wasn't it there uh so yeah uh nice to know uh i think uh, you know it's beautiful that uh, saloni whenever i talk to women in leadership positions uh, especially who are you know women in business or jobs because of course on the podcast we've had a lot of creative people also who actually technically are freelancers right whether they're actors or directors and all of that but most of the women who are on jobs or business they have similar you know experiences of uh, you know that okay you need to you need to work work extra hard to be able to prove this thing uh, but at the same time I think a lot of them spoke about including you you spoke about compartmentalization and all of them them have their own tricks and you know techniques to bring that compartmentalization and the more we hear and honestly uh, you know I actually started taking some of those tips you know when I for example Dina Ma'am's episode when I heard uh, of how does she compartmentalize it's important that we keep talking about those tricks, techniques, tips, or whatever those little things that we learn on the way. So I think, uh, you know, all these years that I've seen you talking about this thing, I really wanted to say thank you for kind of taking all these measures uh, to bringing women, you know, more at the forefront in the gaming ecosystem, interactive media, and in fact, going out and talking, uh, you know, uh, talking about this entire, you know, uh, effort or championing that you're doing. Uh, thank you so much. I am sure a lot of founders, a lot of women will kind of benefit from those efforts that you're taking. And also, I'm hoping from this conversation. Well, thank you so much. This was the one of the most fun conversations I've had. And, you know, really, it was deeply personal. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Saloni. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, then do follow me on social media for more updates and short format content. You can search me by the name Anshu Patni Singhi on Instagram and on Twitter. If you have suggestions, please write to me or message me on Instagram and Twitter. I'll be back the next week.